Well, polymers. Hello, and welcome to Scientifically Speaking. I'm Zach. I'm Dave. And I'm Alyssa. And we're... That's right! You heard that right. Shane is not with us. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, he is out this week, so to replace him, we have our friend Alyssa, who's going to be joining us as co-host Woo! for today's show. No one told me I was second choice. We didn't make that clear? <laughs> is that not what this whole thing was meant to be? Like, guest host code for <laughs> replacement change. <laughs> replacement Wait, we Shane. need to find a new Shane, man. He's not going to be around on the weekend. Who are we going to hang out with? That, that is actually pretty accurate to what each, we did at the beginning of the semester. Each guest host is just we're vetting a new replacement shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of pressure on uh, going to hang out right. with us. So, uh, just try to be as Shane-like as possible. Yeah. Wait, we already hang out. I thought we were hanging out. I mean, yeah, we hang out, but Dave's a whole other variable, man. It's true. Can I call him Dave? You can only call him Dave, please. Okay. Yeah, what, wait, what else would you call me? Davo. She was talking about how in, like, what did you say, Australia? Australia. Instead of, like, Davey. Not that anyone would call you Davey, either. I guess I call you Davey. I Shane. used to be called Davey when yeah. I was a kid. Davey yeah, was my nickname. because it's, it's an endearment thing, but in yeah. Australia, they do. use O as an endearment. Like so Davo. Davo. Bobo. Hey, Davo. Or, like, Wolverino. I don't know. He's All just right, Australian. moving on. Okay. No, he's not Australian. Hugh, Hugh Jackman Hugh, is Australian. Hugh Jacko. Hugh O. That is a Huey instead of Huey. What the fuck are we talking about? That's actually a good question. So this shows a bit of a, a goofy little thing. It's kind of, it's polymers, and what? it's also... What was that word? It's polymers. We'll get, it's plastics. We're going to talk about plastics. We're going to talk about plastic stuff. today? Yeah, that's not exciting. The theme no? of today is things that Alyssa knows about. Yeah. Okay. So it's a mixed bag. It's plastics and also... Paper or plastic bag. Plastic. Plastic. Obviously. Right. Thank you. That's okay. That's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the worst joke I've ever heard. We're also going to talk about, though, we're going to look at some specific, like, polymer products, so things that you know and love, and also some lotions and what? other sorts of things. Which lotions are or plastic? So, no. no. It's actually not. It's somewhat related to polymers in that some of them utilize polymers to get some of their properties but they're not themselves polymers as a whole. Like, your shampoo is not a polymer, but it has polymers in it, maybe. Okay. So, for those of you who are unaware, Zach and Alyssa are material science majors. What the fuck does that mean? It means we do materials. This is what everyone struggles with in a job interview. Yeah. Ever. How does materials? What is even... So, okay, so materials is basically... There are different classes of materials. So there's polymers, which are plastics and things like that. We'll talk about that today. There are metals, which, you know, steel, iron, aluminum, you're familiar with those. Uh, ceramics, things like... Oh, Pottery. Man. Pottery. Yeah. Toilets. Um, yeah. Toilets are big one. Big one. <laughs> Sweet. Coffee mugs. Okay. Jet engines. Well, parts of jet Are those engines. not metal? Ceramic matrix composites are the future. Yeah. What? Right now they're These using are not words I've ever heard nickel before. Nickel super in my alloys life. for turbine blades. Okay, but... this sounds fucking awesome. And we're talking about plastic? So Next, this is hey, no. Somebody so... somebody's getting a degree in plastic. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting we'll get we'll cover metals, we'll cover ceramics, we'll cover composites probably in other episodes in the future. At least I want to. Um, but cool. for now, we're gonna talk about if polymers. I pass this audition, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, we, well, I have this a is... large pool. Plus, I have a pool of 24 people to draw from for, for this show, I guess. 
Oh yeah, their major is tiny, like small as fuck. Like, like small enough that we might register as a cult soon. <laughs> or just like a club. We're not even a real major. Just a group of people that like. Material. What does it take to register as a cult? What What do you have to do? Is there a registry? I don't know. I feel like there are specific rules for cults, though. You have to like force membership. And also uh, have keep your t-shirts. members away from their external friend groups. True. Mm. Um, By, like, issuing homework constantly. <laughs> mm. Authoritarian in its power structure. Okay, so professors. <laughs> Leader centered the veneration. Veneration. Veneration of okay. members upon themselves. Professors. Uh, yeah, kind Totalitarian of. in its control and behavior. That's the administration. Re- recruiting new members and fundraising. Okay, we're not a cult. <laughs> I mean, we try Innovative and exclusive. <laughs> Innovative? Yeah, being yeah. bad at ma- being a cult doesn't make you not a cult. <laughs> True. All right, so... Plastic! You said, yeah, you said, like, what the hell is a polymer? So polymers are just plastic things. So plastic bags, plastic water bottles, those Gatorade water Do you water ever bottles. feel like a plastic bag? I sure hope not, because that'd be weird. It would be. You'd be, like, thin and blowy easily. Like Actually, the wind. that is you how do. I feel. Yeah. Like a strong gust, I'm just gone. <laughs> Tires, weather stripping, styrofoam, nylon fibers, Kevlar, you know, bulletproof freaking vests. What? Or yeah, shirts. Cool. Or shirts, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Bulletproof clothing in general. You know, rubber bands, things like that. You missed one. I did miss one. Oh. Why did you avoid that? I don't know. I think I just skipped it by accident. So back to the sex episode. Condoms! The sex Um. episode, more like. (laughs) Also, I mean, awesome. I mean, (laughs) what the fuck? Okay. What is a polymer, Zach? Yeah, what is a polymer? So polymers are basically really long, uh, potentially interconnected molecules or what? Groupings of the molecules. So... What's a molecule? What's a molecule? Is that your question? <laughs> yeah. So a molecule is a collection of a bunch of atoms just What's hanging an atom? out together. Oh, boy, Dave. I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, man. This go is going down. downhill okay. fast. People know what a molecule okay. is, so generally, you, you, I think. You know what an atom is. Molecules are collections just of collections atoms. of atoms, Bonded water together. molecules, but they're very distinctive. So you can have water is made up of the same molecules as peroxide. But they act very differently. Yeah, peroxide Ooh. has an extra oxygen. So just because something Ooh. is made up of the same atoms doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to behave the same way, which is why we care about how big a molecule is, how small it is, uh, what shape it's in. So for molecules, like, I always pictured molecules as, like, these little things that just sort of float around and do things. Like, you breathe them in, you pee them out, you know, all that good stuff. We do do like, that, yes. But True. you're saying that, like, their size and shape matters? Yeah. Yeah. They don't really do anything. That's how they interact chemically. So shape matters a lot. A big example of shape mattering is saturated versus unsaturated fats. So you think you talked about this. We did talk about this. Yeah, yeah, throwback. For those of you who may not have seen our, what was it, nutrition diet episode, the difference between saturated and unsaturated fats is basically whether they're the tails of the fats are kinked or not. And they're kinked based on whether they have double or single bonds. Interesting. So if they have single bonds, Bonding. it's all in this perfectly straight line. Okay. And so they can pack closer. So it's like a chain. Yes. Okay. Exactly like a chain. And so if they have a double bond, it's like a kinky chain. Right. Kinky. <laughs> exactly. So. Some weird stuff. So what what are these molecules that we're talking about when we talk about plastics? What what are are plastics actually made out of? The cool thing about polymers is that if you know one repeat unit, you know the whole polymer. 
Yeah, so the way polymers work is basically, imagine something, a molecule, ethylene. This one's a really, really simple molecule. It's two carbons double bonded to each other, and then each individual carbon has two hydrogens sticking off of it. That's it. It's six atoms. Okay. Right? Really simple. And now if you end up bonding them... So, so wait, that, uh, let's... Maybe bonding, we should talk a little bit so, about bonding. Too, yeah, true. Point, so but. bonding between atoms is basically just electrostatic attraction between the um, positive atom cores as well as their electron shells. Electrons being negatively charged, the uh, positive cores being positively charged. What we're talking about here is these atoms, when they join together, like these two carbon atoms that we're talking about, when they bond, what that means is that they're sharing some electrons and that holds those two in close proximity to one another. So for these purposes, you can kind of think of it as a chain link fence. Okay. In a way. So yeah, more or less. you've got like the central node is the, is the atom, atom and mm -hmm. then the links to the other nodes. Are just straight lines. Just straight lines. Yeah. So what does it mean for an atom to be bonded versus double bonded? So double bonded is basically a stronger bond involving more electron transfer between the two atoms. So, for example, a single bond would be like one pair of electrons being shared, whereas a double bond would be two pairs of electrons Literally, being Literally, like, if you were holding hands with someone and you were just holding one hand, you could, like, reach pretty far away on either side. Ooh, this if is a good holding, analogy. If you're, both, if you're both holding each other's two you're hands... You're holding both hands. You're facing each other's... You're limited you in what can't, you can do. It's stronger. You that can't, is a great analogy. You can't Holy rotate. Shit. You're pretty much locked in place. So double bonds really lock things in place. Single bonds, you get free rotation. Ooh. I think we have to bring her back for another show. Yeah, you've already impressed us here. Don't. Okay, yes. that is a wonderful analogy and makes a lot of sense for double bonding versus single bonding. So we're talking about this molecule, ethylene. Two carbons that are holding each other's hands, except they have three hands. <laughs> and well, they have four, <laughs> four hands. hands. So carbon atoms tend to have four hands. Which is why it's amazing. Yep. Like, people... <laughs> Bitches love carbon. It's everywhere. Sure. Can, we, Most can I get of that things... as a bumper sticker? Probably. <laughs> Bitches love carbon. Although you might, people might think you love global warming or something. Uh, wow. Yeah, wait. Fuck that. That'd be the worst. <laughs> but, um, and this will come back later, but organic molecules, pretty much all the stuff we're made of, all the stuff that, like, organic matter is made of, food, trees, dirt... It's all carbon-based. Yeah, carbon And so the backbone of most means. polymers that we'll be talking, of the ones we'll be talking about, are carbon backbones. So you have this long chain link of carbon, and then you tack things onto it. So basically, looking back at the ethylene molecule, right, we said it's a double bond between the carbons, so they're holding both hands. So let's maybe, hold on, let's maybe explain to the simpler example first. So we've got this carbon, just to give a better picture for our audience who's mm. listening to this and not having any visual assistance. Right. So you've got carbon, picture a carbon atom with four hands, and they're sticking out of all sides of it. Basically, you can get a chain of carbons, they're holding each other's hands end to end, and they make a long, long chain of single-bonded carbon. So that's, yeah, that's what I was getting to. In the, um, the ethylene is double bonded, right? Yes. The carbons are both, two of their hands are occupied with the other carbon, and they have two hands that are stuck to hydrogens. Okay. So if you manage to release one of its hands with a chemical reaction from the other carbon, now it's single bonded to that carbon and can single bond to another carbon. And Ooh. so that's how you make this long chain. So it frees up bonds. one of its hands when you yep. break that bond. Yep. Exactly. And so you get this super long chain that can be like free, like, and what's really handy is ha. we can pretty ah, uh, is we can, is we can, can pretty we much a, a hi -hat? please do. Um, so what's cool about this is that we can pretty much control 
how long these these chain links are. And that matters a lot because the longer a chain is, the more space it takes up, the more it... That makes sense. Yeah, so if you have a bunch of tiny little chains, you can all kind of, like, pack in together. But if you have these long, like, rope-like things, then, they're like, they, they're going to coil weird. They're going to take up a lot of space. Think it's... of, like, rice versus spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Rice sort of stay their shape and sort of stick around, but spaghetti gets all tangled around itself and, it's like, lots like, of loopy air holes, yeah. whereas rice is nicely... Packed yeah. in. So right. now a question might be, why the hell is it called a polymer? What is even, what is that? So a polymer is the words poly and myrrh. And poly just means many as opposed to monomer. So ethylene is the monomer. And you get multiple ethylene stacked together to get polymer. So what the hell is myrrh, though? That's not a word, right? Myrrh. So myrrh, myrrh. is actually from Greek. Meros. It means part. So Interesting. polymer literally just means many part. Many part. But I think um, what it's important to note that it's literally the same repeat unit yes. over and over and over Well, again. it doesn't, yeah. Oh, yeah, and the repeat and unit can be more complicated than a single molecule. But, yeah, it's just a repeating. You take some specific unit and attach that same unit over and over and over again. So, so a simple example would be a long chain of single carbon atoms just stuck together. Right. Whereas a more complicated example would be a carbon and a nitrogen, for example, that are just stuck together in long chains. And you can have exactly. you can have like multiple molecules like amino amino acids. If you have like complicated larger molecules, stick a bunch of them next to each other, you get a really long strand of those. Protein. Protein. Sweet. And that's like a pretty complicated polymer. But the cool yes. thing about proteins is that shape matters so 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 much. And Why? your body is way better at making polymers than oh my God, people yeah. are. Yeah, like, okay. it's crazy. It's like, freakish. If, like, if you are using the most sophisticated methods in a lab, you get what we call... Well, that, yeah. yeah, we won't get in, you into get a PDI. but get size dispersion of yeah. the different polymers. So you kind of target a range, and you kind of just, like, hit around that range. You get a bunch of different lengths, but, like, close enough. Like, uh -huh. you, you, get, you get close enough for, for what you care about. But the body literally exact number of repeat units every single time. What? And if it doesn't, things just get screwed. So our internal cell anatomy is better at it than our Far hands. better. Yes. And machines. Our hands using machines. Mm -hmm. yes. That's impressive and also kind of not surprising, I feel like. Yep. Yeah. Nature has the magic. They've had more time. <laughs> True. Vermillions of years. Vermillions! <laughs> That's a color. It yes. is? Vermilion. Oh, vermilion. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like vermilion. But for really. our purposes, we're able to make a lot of really cool stuff yes. with getting close enough. So, like, why the hell do we even use polymers? Yeah, I'm confused. Question, right? Why are these they're so just, special? What, yeah. What's so good about making a long chain of stuff? So, one thing is that they're just super duper easy to produce. And people love cheap things. Or, <laughs> you know, right? So, you basically throw a bunch of chemicals into a vat with some predetermined chemistry. Potentially heat it up. Mix it up a bunch. Let it cool, and you either inject it into some kind of mold that's in a shape, or you draw it out into sheets or fibers, and then you have a product. You just wow. explained my entire PhD thesis in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> five seconds. Interesting. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just so easy. So, for example, like 3D printing and stuff that's coming becoming big now, it frequently uses polymers because you can literally just melt them, squoosh them out, and they just harden into a shape right there in front like of you. Like Play-Doh. Yeah. 
But well, the, the thing yeah. that, that yeah. we should note is that when you're processing a polymer and you melt it down, you've already made that polymer. So you, there's polymer synthesis, which is all kinds of crazy chemicals, like weird reactions, color changes, pretty stuff going on. Um, but then once you want to actually make a chair or make silly putty or you want to make a fiber or nylon for clothes, you're melting it down and processing it. So you, you already have made your material chemically. And gotcha. you're just changing the shape. Interesting. So, wow, this is this is a whole new world for me. I've never <laughs> even like this is not an area that I've ever really even thought about before. Like I see plastic bags and I see plastic lawn chairs. And you're like whatever. And I'm just like, oh, that's cool to sit on and to use to carry groceries. And then I never think about it again. Mm-hmm. So, and you guys like study this. Yeah. This exists yeah. in the world. That's so cool. Okay. So for those of you who are listening and don't know what you want to do when you grow up, and you uh, like thinking about things that people don't normally think about, yeah, if you want to go into academia, <laughs> material science <laughs> is probably a good thing. If you want to get into industry, <laughs> says Zach, who's been job hunting for the past few months. Yeah. So, well, let's not talk about that. <laughs> it's actually going okay. I'm not, it's not the worst, but... Um, another reason that we like to use polymers is they can have, like, some pretty cool properties given how cheap they are to produce and how light they can be. So, for example, metals are, like, stupid dense. You have all these individual atoms packed really closely together, right? And then polymers are these more, like, spaghetti-ish, kind of loosely packed things. Um, but, for example, Kevlar, right? Bulletproof vests and things like that. Uh, it has five times the tensile strength to weight ratio of steel. Right? So, so what's tensile strength, So Zach? tensile strength yeah. is when you basically, imagine like a stick of plastic, right? And you have this huge machine with metal clamps pulling it apart, right? Uh-huh. At what point does the polymer basically break. fail? And break. And break. Yeah. So that's tensile strength. Yeah. So, for example, a, a spaghetti noodle has lower tensile strength than, than steel. Than, yeah, that's steel. Yeah. Okay. So you can rip a spaghetti thing in half with your hands. Pretty easily. Block of steel, no chance. I could. Yeah. I did it once. Oh, yeah. Actually. Mm. Yeah, I still have scars, okay. actually, oh. on my hands. <laughs> see? That doesn't make sense. Well, my audience can't see, so oh. that's useful because they'll just believe me. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I'm sure they'll just believe you. <laughs> then I tore apart a steel block by hand. Yeah, they should. So in this case, you know, um, five times, so for a given weight, of the material. Okay. Kevlar is five times stronger being pulled apart. So it takes five times more force. And to you break care it. about weight because if you wanted to get that same protection out of metal, you would literally be wearing around like a metal cube. A right. suit of armor. So basically like Oh yeah, yeah, like a suit of armor. Yeah. So and so, so the difference <laughs> is, is that like a Kevlar vest weighs like five pounds, right? Okay. Um steel is ten thousand times denser than Kevlar. Um but it has that, like, five times, it's, like, one-fifth the tensile strength-to-weight ratio. So a five-pound vest would become, like, 25 pounds, Ooh, which is, like, pretty expensive. That's not very yeah. useful. No. Okay, that's also, super interesting. Also, it's not breathable. It's made of metal. <laughs> Other, you know, flaws. Yeah, it's pretty much a mess. Um, also, my math might not be So it's the reason we transition to... Yeah, I think your math is a little flawed, but yeah. it's not practical. Anyway, it'd be significantly heavier to have a metal vest. I'm just doing this late. Um, so the reason we switched to bulletproof vests rather than still sticking with the whole suit of armor thing. Well, that's part of the reason. It's cheaper and lighter. Okay, cheaper and looks lighter. Looks less okay. cool than chainmail. That's mm, true. It true. does look less cool. Also more effective than chainmail. 
It's important to remember, though, that, like, steel is still, like, thousands of times better in tension than Kevlar, but it's also significantly heavier. So Gotcha. You know, um, there's tons of versatility in chemistry for different chemical, thermal, mechanical properties that you want your polymer to have, right? So if you needed to act in a higher temperature environment or, like, a really low temperature environment, use different chemistries. Like space. Yeah. Space. space is cold. So in case you many polymers are, in space. Uh, wondering, yeah. They're actually working on like self-healing windows. Dope. Um, yeah. There's like a bunch of stuff that just came out where okay, if you have yeah. if you have like um, literally just like space debris or I'm not really sure what things encounter spaceships, but it's I'm gonna debris. say space yeah, debris. Yeah, there's like yeah. dust um, and stuff. And you get a crack in your window. You can't just like run over and grab a new window and put it in. You can't put, like, <laughs> scotch tape on it. The um, the I wonder how much scotch tape is, like, covering parts of the ISS. <laughs> probably a disturbing probably amount. Yeah, a probably, of, probably a, an amount that would make me uncomfortable. After reading The Martian, I think it's mostly duct tape. Yeah. Like, like, the ISS is, like, 85% duct tape. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so if you have a self-healing polymer and you get some space debris that hits the, the outside of your spaceship... It literally will just heal itself. It will just basically one disappear ex- the crack. One example of the way that works is, you know, the crack starts propagating through the material, right? So it's like crack, 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 breaking apart different pieces of the material. And then it encounters maybe a small bead that's filled with a catalyst for polymerization, cracks it open, and all of a sudden this new polymer flows out and polymerizes in the crack. And polymerizer just makes monomers become polymers. So, so it sort of goops up. So it just goops up and just re it just reforms the polymer where the crack like was. scar tissue, but yeah. for right exactly plastic. like scar tissue because it's it's like less useful than skin. It's like not as strong as the original polymer, not as good, but it still is better than having a huge hole where it was. Right. Yeah. Future. Nuts. The future. What? We can self-heal. We can have windows that self-heal. Yeah. That's is that like a thing that's already yes. happening? Yes. Or is yes. That, yes. What the? Like fuck? literally just just had like a paper out on it last week. Oh my god! This is the coolest thing ever. It's pretty. Heck Tell me thing. more about plastic. More about plastic. Let's talk about tires. That sounds like a tires boring transition. are nuts. Yeah, tires are freaking weird. Dude. I thought tires were boring until I took a polymers class, and now my mind is blown. <laughs> so tires. Tires, Those rubber yeah. things that cars go on? Yes, tires are made of rubber. You already know about this, I guess. So I, what's rubber? rubber? What, do, what do you know about rubber? Ru- yeah, I know that. that rubber, um, I think, um, is originally, we originally got it from tree sap. Well, okay. Or at least some it's of tree our juice. Tree juice. From a specific kind of tree called a, gum wait tree. for it. Rubber tree? Rubber, yeah, rubber tree. tree. I've heard gum tree also. Um, yeah, I think that might also be true because, well, gum is also rubber. But yeah, it's some sort of sticky, weird thing, and then we shape it into whatever we want. It's sort of this, like, I don't know, I, everybody's played with a rubber band. It's, like, mm-hmm. rubbery. We have yeah. a whole adjective to describe this. Yep. It's, it's, like, springy and... It's pretty good. Elastic and weird. So, rubber, we have synthetic and natural rubber, and we actually still use natural rubber a lot because it has some excellent properties and is actually pretty hard to reproduce precisely because nature is better at everything (laughs) god damn it nature so um rubber trees produce latex which is not sap but it's kind of a lot like sap um it's like pretty goopy and like weird and comes out of the tree when it's damaged to heal it oh shit nature already did self-healing what What? a surprise yeah nature beat us to literally everything flight Uh, so you can (laughs) self-healing you can take this latex and process it uh basically you mix it under some heat and pressure you dry it out a little bit and you can produce 
a polymer made of isoprene, which is... Isoprene? Not super important what that is. It's a few carbons with an extra carbon sticking off the end. Okay. The, yeah. Um, and so it's so like a carbon row. It's like a chain of carbon shaped like an L. Well, so the, the, the chain, the the chain is straight, and then it just has these little doodads sticking off on the sides. Uh, okay, cool. Um, and then synthetic rubber is just very similar to rubber in structure, but is other polymers. And it might be like also an isoprene, but without the strange little things that, and contaminants as they're kind of called, that nature added in that actually contribute. Make it better. Yeah. So, what? Yeah. Um, but the thing is, right, you have, we've been talking about all these individual strands, right? You have an individual polished strand, it's all mixed together like spaghetti, right? Uh huh. So, if you take these isoprene polymers, right? And you have a ton of them. Like a. Like, so, okay, so we talked about in another episode of how many, like, atoms are in a glass of water. Yeah. Just some, like, absurd. There's, like, it's not even, it's, it's not millions, it's some it's, huge yeah, number. I think it's we like calculated, the, like, 30th. 10 to the a lot. Yeah, it's I like so, that. So, yeah, like, when we're talking about this, we're, we're thinking, as our professor says, you have a soup. You have all these things in a soup, and they're just all interacting with each other. They're all swimming by each other. Um, there's all of this activity going on. It's not like you just have, like, two pieces of string that you're like, oh, let's tie these two together and see what happens. It's a lot of interactions, and so there's a lot of possibilities for things to go right and wrong. So it's more like a bowl of spaghetti. (laughs) Yes. Rather than a single string. It's like the biggest bowl of spaghetti that anyone's ever seen. Like a bowl of spaghetti the size of the earth. I've probably seen bigger. Yeah. Honestly, I've seen, like, huge Huge pots of spaghetti. spaghetti. Okay. My family's really nuts about their pasta. (laughs) You can see his spaghetti from, from space. Haha, <laughs> what? You'd have to yeah. be able to. Hell you? yeah, you can. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, what? That doesn't... Oh, yeah, me, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. So, but the thing I is... I was thinking, that's crazy, but then I remembered uh, Christmas 2004, <laughs> in which case... Getting that sweet Christmas oh spaghetti. Oh, my God, Christmas spaghetti. It's the best. <laughs> really, I mean, we always do either Christmas spaghetti or, like, we, like, have some sort of meat with it, but, like, spaghetti's always, like... Spaghetti's the thing the, you go All right, so it. tires. Right, tires. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. So... Do you imagine all these strands hanging out, and all of a sudden, you go, you're like emerald, you're like, bam, throwing some sulfur. Is anyone, <laughs> understand, is anyone of our generation going to understand yes. that? I, yes. Okay. I understand like, it. Emerald is the celebrity chef like, who said, bam, bam, here's some sulfur, um, and you vulcanize it. Vulcan? What the fuck? Like that Star Trek? That was a cool word. Yeah, like Star Trek. Basically, sulfur and heat. Oh. And then the sulfurs connect different polymer strands, and so you go from a bowl of spaghetti to a bowl of mutant spaghetti. <laughs> it's imagine if you tied all of the spaghetti sh- uh, strands together. So now Not they can't... Them, so before, you could, like, take one strand of spaghetti and, and pull, pull it, out. it out, and it would, like, wiggle its way out. But now if it's connected to the rest of spaghetti, it's like it all comes out in a block together. Mm-hmm. And that's a tire. So a tire <laughs> is one molecule... What? Okay, well, I guess the Theoretically. Each, each layer of a tire, because there's actually like a number of layers of rubber and air bladder and some solid. Each it's, layer of rubber, a sheet, like a whole freaking sheet of rubber, uh-huh. is one molecule. What? Is that nuts? So, like, when I'm looking at a tire, I'm looking at like the outside the of a tire, treads, for example. Yeah. Looking at like, yeah, the outer that treads top layer of rubber. That's a single molecule? Yes, sir. I thought molecules were small. Nope. I mean, yes, but not all of them. <laughs> What? Isn't that nuts? That's crazy. So wait, this molecule is just like, it's just these like long strands that are all sort of like tied together and then rolled into a ball? So sort okay, of so a tire the, shape? So the way that um, I described earlier, you know, they basically make a, mix all this stuff up in a vat and heat it up. And then uh, you get all these polymer strands in a soup. 
throw in that sulfur and some more heat, then all the strands are connected and you kind of like squoosh it out into a sheet um, by just by like smooshing it. Uh-huh. And then you just have a sheet that is a molecule. You just cut off one end of it and then you have like, you can wrap around a tire and there you go. What the fuck? That is the weirdest thing I've learned today. It's so goofy. Okay, Ta-da! that's pretty cool. Okay, it turns out tires are way cooler than I thought they were. <laughs> So now let's move on to other rubber things, such as rubber bands, which are also a single molecule. Isn't that strange? That's so weird. How uh, molecules are supposed to be small? I had this idea in my head of like molecules. You shouldn't be able to see them. Yeah, but like even with an optical microscope. So a rubber band is a single molecule. If everyone listening has ever wanted to see a single molecule, go get a rubber band. You're looking at one molecule. That's crazy. I mean, it's. I think that some. Chemists may disagree with that for... I'm not sure why. What's the distinction? So, I mean, I think it definitely could be one it's, molecule, but def- like with rubber bands, the way that it's always explained is that you have these polymer strands that are contracting and expanding and stretching out and wrapping up, and if they're all really super cross-linked, like the elastomeric properties of rubber bands comes from the fact that they're not all perfectly cross-linked because they have to be able to slide past each other and elongate in right. order to give you that. But they're not cross-linked at every point, so they can, even right. if they're cross-linked, at, for example, at their ends, they can curl up completely and you can pull them apart. Well, cross-linked, hold on, you're oh, yeah. saying It's words. less cross-linked right. than a yes. tire. Right, so, okay, yeah. But it's, since it's all connected, it's not falling apart. It right. probably is, maybe it's not one molecule, it's like a handful. But Still, they're these though. huge, yeah. huge they're molecules. giant molecules. You can see the molecules. Yes. So cross-linking, that's what these sulfur bridges are between the polymers. They link the polymers ac- like across. So when you when you vulcanize, yes. to use terminology we use it for, you throw sulfur and heat at these things. Mm. The sulfur sort of links together these strands that we were talking about? It cross-links them. Gotcha. Yep. And so if you imagine, um, well, actually, I guess I'll get to that as I begin to explain rubber bands. So rubber bands are elastomeres. There's that word again, mer, mer, mer. So they're elasto. They're yeah. Things. They're elastic parts. Elastic parts. Okay. They're, sure. They're basically polymers that are elastic, um, and they're actually specifically viscoelastic. <laughs> That's a fun word, right? Uh, band name: Discoelastic. Discoelastic. All right. That's pretty good. Why did I think of that? I don't know. He's writing it down. I have. <laughs> it down. I have a huge list of band names. Huge list. All right. Take it easy. Uh, human bonding professor. I don't know. Um, Speaking of bonding. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Okay, so viscoelastic. That means it's both viscous and elastic. What does viscous mean, I don't know. Look it up. Just kidding. We're here to tell you. (laughs) So viscosity is... A measure of resistance to flow. So if you imagine water, right? Now imagine maple syrup. Whoa, they didn't even get a chance to imagine water. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot what water was like. I jumped so fast to make this water. You you, you bloosh your hands in, you pour it out, it just flows really easily. It can just be poured out of containers, your hand goes right through it. Now imagine maple syrup, right? You go to pour it, and it's like, Well, I guess we were talking about like fake maple syrup, but like real maple syrup is kind of flowy. Okay, molasses. Okay, fine. Compared to water, though, but also molasses, better example, or honey. you know, you put your hand in, it's like, oh, squoosh, and then, like, it takes some time to travel. Like, if you had a pool of honey, you'd be like, I can't even, uh, it's the hardest That'd swim. That'd be so cool. It wouldn't be. It'd probably be really bad. You'd probably drown horribly. Yeah, I don't know if you could, like, swim. Like I the molasses flood in Boston. Yeah. Oh, God, exactly. that's horrifying. Okay, so viscosity is just a measure of, like, how syrupy something is. 
Yeah, cool. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like sticky. Like honey and things tend to stick, but it just means like the way it acts when you push. When it. you pour it. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Exactly. The um, stickiness of maple syrup and honey is a property of something else. So basically, viscosity also means that like as it's moving over itself, it generates a lot of internal friction. Like all the parts of the honey rubbing over each other. Okay. Are creating heat and friction, and so um, like as you push on it, it disperses your energy into heat and into movement of the honey. Uh huh. Whereas something that's elastic. So if you imagine like a spring, right? Mm-hmm. If you pull on the spring, you've put in a certain amount of energy to pull it apart, and you let go, and then it springs back, and it keeps all that energy until it yeah, springs. it just sort of yeah. bounces around. Like if you pull mm-hmm. a slinky like really far apart, mm-hmm. let go of one, and it goes exactly. And the only reason that that stops is because there's energy dissipation from it bouncing into air molecules and friction and things like that. If you had something perfectly elastic in a vacuum. And you went boing, it would go boing, 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 Forever? boing, 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 yes. What? Yep. Okay, so that's elasticity Yep. when you're talking about and, it. And, okay, and another important thing about elasticity is that it returns to its original shape after you deform it. That makes sense. You yeah. stretch a rubber band, you let go, and it goes back. Generally, mm-hmm. you can't stretch it too far, but yes. generally yeah. it springs back to a little circle. Elasticity has limits. After that... Either you get fracture, where something literally breaks, or plastic flow, which just basically means the atoms move apart in a way that they no longer have their original shape and will not return to their original shape. But generally, you can pull apart a rubber, you can pull a rubber band pretty mm-hmm. far, and it, and it springs, springs back, back to its normal shape. But coming back to to pol- like polymers and how they affect viscosity, the longer the chain you have, the more viscous. Yep. Your material Because there's more really? ropiness going on. So it's getting stuck to the other polymers more. It's looping around them. It's harder to move a larger thing. Rice versus spaghetti. Okay, so it's like trying to move a piece of rice over more rice versus trying to move a piece, piece of spaghetti, spaghetti over all all yeah. more spaghetti. Yep. That actually makes a lot of sense. These analogies are wonderful, by You're the way. killing it, This man. is the only way that I'm graduating. <laughs> <laughs> Graduation by analogy? Yep. So then there's a little subcategory of viscoelastic, which is called anelastic, like A-N, elastic. And all this means is that um, it's something that is viscous and elastic, um, and you pull it, and it strains, and then it strains just means it deforms, it stretches out, Um, and then it comes back to its original shape, whereas Uh something that's not an... So a rubber band is anelastic, because it's viscoelastic, uh, because, like, as you pull it, it generates heat and... We'll talk about that a little bit. It's kind of super cool. Um, and then silly putty is something that's like non-analastic. So if you imagine a bit of pull, silly putty, you pull it apart. And it just it, stays. It'll, it'll kind of squeeze back a little bit, right? Because, you know, you stretch it and it's like, oh, coming back. But then it doesn't really go back all the way and kind of just melts on the table. You can't fling silly putty across the room. But you can. Well, you can, but, not like, but not like oh, right. you you can't stretching it, it like a rubber yeah. band right. and letting it go. You can't slingshot silly putty. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that's non-analastic. Um, so actually, rubber bands, do you know how they're made? Uh, I have no idea. Right. It's super cool. So again, we got this like polymer soup, and we squeeze it through these tubes, right? Uh-huh. And so it creates a hollow tube. So you have a tube with like an inner part as well, and you extrude it through the outer like rim. And so you get this hollow tube of polymer, right? 
and you go chop 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 and cut off a bunch of freaking like cross sections. Yeah, exactly. And that's how you get a rubber band. You get an individual rubber band from this big old long tube. So rubber bands were originally like I've actually you know it's really weird because I've actually like seen rubber bands that like have weird chunks to them or like much like thicker than rubber bands. I was like that's really weird. So it's just sliced poorly. That's crazy. Dude, so much of this world I've, like, literally never thought about, and it makes me sad. But here I am, learning. So, really, it's okay. Yeah. I keep learning. So Tell me more about rubber bands. Yes, so we were talking about elasticity, right? <clears throat> so, I gave the example of a spring. And springs, like most materials, so if you had, like, a thick piece of steel or, like, a glass rod or something, on a much smaller scale they would act like springs. Like, if you could get something strong enough to pull it, uh-huh. and you could observe at, like, a very, very small level, like the atomic level, when you pull on it, the atoms, their bonds stretch apart a little bit. And so the atoms prefer to be a certain distance apart from each other okay. for stability, and as you pull them further apart, they, like, kind of want to get back to that original position, right? And like so a rubber band. <laughs> no, no, not at all like a rubber band, <laughs> which is weird. We'll get to that in a second. So the normal oh, yeah, elasticity right. that we know is um, you pull so you pull spring apart, right? Uh-huh. The atoms in the metal are literally becoming further apart from each other a little bit uh-huh. and storing that energy that you put into pulling it apart in their bonds. And then you let go, and the bonds go back to the place that I started. And dissipate that energy out. Well, yeah, if there's, like, a surrounding environment to dissipate. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. But like... um, and so, yeah, but it's like, so if you pull the atom out of its stable position too far and then let it go it goes in too close and then too far and too close and, and then if it does relax eventually it'll be back in a stable position gotcha right and so the way this works is by hook's law so a specific amount of force that you apply to this spring makes it displace stretch by a certain distance uh-huh. so if you put on five pounds on the bottom of a string spring, spring on the bottom of a spring it'll stretch down about an inch okay in this example um, if you put ten pounds on It'll stretch down two inches. So this is linear response, right? 20 pounds, four inches, right? Sure. So um, this is just totally normal. Like everything, like a guitar string acts this way, everything that you usually pay attention to, right? So that means if you heat up something like this, right? If you heat up a spring, you put a weight on five pounds and heat up a spring, the atoms have now more thermal energy and they jiggle more and they like to be further apart. And so the spring stretches out and the weight pulls it further, right? So if you hang something from an elastic band, like a rubber band, and you heat it up, it contracts. What? Yeah. Okay, wait. So hold on. <laughs> Quick recap. <laughs> yep. Take a spring. You put five pounds. You hold one end of the spring in one hand, and you let it drop down. You put a weight on the bottom of the spring. It springs down. If you heat up that spring, and you put the same weight, <clears throat> it'll stretch even farther. Yes. Because those atoms are like, or in fact, they have the, more energy to move. Yeah. yeah sure. Okay, sure. So, take a spring, put a weight on, stretch a certain distance. Take a spring, put the same weight on, heat up the spring, mm-hmm. stretches even farther. Yep. You're telling me rubber bands don't do that. Why? What? <laughs> so this is really weird. Uh, rubber bands don't... You know how I said when you pull apart a spring, the atoms literally get further apart and store the energy that you've input into them? Uh, rubber bands don't store any energy when you stretch them out. So they don't... Their bonds don't get any further apart. How... How, do how they are stretch? you? Yeah. How are you pull? How are you stretching it then? So the funny thing about polymers is that they're strands, right? Uh-huh. So they can coil up. You can either, if you have a string laid out completely flat, mm-hmm. you can 
curl it up into a little ball, mm-hmm. and it's not like the string itself has been like stretched pushed out. farther together. Yeah, or right. it's just that they're just curled around yeah. each other to exactly. take up less space. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, um, basically, what happens is when you uh, have these stretched out, the the polymer strands elongate, right? They uncurl, right? Would you pull like a rubber band? Yes, a rubber band apart. And so, assuming you're in the limit where, so if you pull it too far, and you like. Um, stretch out to the point where the all the chains are fully extended and you keep pulling, the, pot, the rubber band will snap. Okay. But as long as you're within the limit where the it's just the chains uncoiling, uh-huh. um, basically what's happening is you just input a bunch of energy um, into the band by pulling it apart, and since none of the bonds are getting further apart, the atoms start to jiggle faster because the energy goes into their thermal energy. And so if you actually pull the rubber band apart and put it up against your lip, you can feel it warm up. What? As you pull it apart because you literally just put in energy, which is then immediately dissipated as heat. Just don't snap yourself in the face. Yeah. <laughs> but so in the same way, if you hang something on a rubber band, and then you blast heat at it with like a hair dryer or something, all of a sudden these atoms are jiggling way harder, and so every time they move, they tug on the like the connecting atoms, and so you end up like coiling the polymer back up. And oh. so that's how it pulls on things. That makes a lot of sense. You heat up like one of them, and it sort of jiggles around and pulls everything yep. sort of closer to it as it moves. Mm-hmm. That is weird. It's so if weird. you heat up a rubber band, it gets smaller. So if you imagine like uh, imagine a necklace, right? Just like sure. one of those like chain mail, chain link necklaces. Chain mail necklace. <laughs> chain mail necklace. <laughs> and you lay it on a table that can shake, right? As that table shakes, the thing's gonna go from being laid out straight to starting to like curl up. Oh my God, itself, is this why right? necklaces get tangled? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that makes a lot That's of sense. Everything gets tangled, pretty much. Entropy. You like yeah. you bang on the bottom of the table. Yeah. The necklace like bounces, yeah. and it's sort of, and it's not quite taking up as and much space. And it'll never space. get further apart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. so weird. Yeah. That makes so much sense. It's though. super strange. You can't like bang a necklace into being straightened right. out. Well. Uh, you probably could, but it's super, super duper unlikely. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what, but like you know, you put yeah. a necklace on a table, you like lay it out straight, you bang it, it's gonna. Basically, short. this is back to entropy, which is sort of random. Is sort of, it mean it just basically means that if you bang on this table, statistically, the necklace will get shorter up to a certain point. That's so weird. It's super weird. Um, so that's. It's called entropic elasticity. Totally super weird. And the reason they like they were able to test this by taking like really really tiny atomic force microscope, basically grabbing at the end of an individual polymer chain and measuring everything with lasers and stuff. It's nuts. And they just like lasers it and found out that this is straight up true. Like that's it was, crazy. Yeah. So rubber bands, <laughs> that's weird as shit. Yep, they're nuts. You know what else is crazy? What? Gum. Well, like, like chewing, like gum. chewing gum? gum. Yeah. Like Wrigley's juicy fruit. If you prefer, wait. That can brand. we? We should edit that out. Actually, I don't know if we can like say product. We can say on products air. on on the air. Big okay. red. <laughs> get it? <laughs> it's a gum and our school. Can, can we get sponsored by Wrigley's? That'd be pretty cool. That's just called Wrinkly's. <laughs> Wrigley's. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so gum. Is that is... why they call it gum? It's Wrigley. No. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> so gum is freaking weird, right? You know what it is. It's flavored rubber. <laughs> oh my god, I just swallowed rubber. Yeah, Galissa just swallowed gum. Now she's gonna have gum in her stomach for seven years. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Seven you years? Just, you just it stays poop it in out. your body for seven years? No, that's untrue. You don't Wait, digest. So if it's hygroscopic, does that mean that it actually is gonna break down into little, little. Uh, it strands? doesn't really break down because it's. 
like a big lump of rubber. Like not molecularly break down, but oh. it'll like not Maybe. be a glob of gum because if you let gum sit out in your car, it sucks in water. Yeah. So if it can't even stay together <laughs> in the car, why could it stay together in my stomach? Might not be. Yeah. Does it see? Does it make any my sense? My stomach is a more, more violent atmosphere than my. Gl- than most men. things, actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah, stomachs are terrifying. You can dissolve your dog. Yeah, <laughs> next time you're... Ch- oh, God. Yeah, you're, you're, you're I, like wow, I, you're not wrong, but that made me sad. Okay, so oh, gum man. is just flavored rubber. Yeah, so think about that next time you're just chewing on gum. Like, mm, it's just rubber. It'll always be a tire. Okay, it's not the same thing as a tire, but it's... It's basically a tire. Pretty much a tire. <laughs> what? It's a chewier tire. Oh, my God, that's weird as hell. So let's talk about some other polymer-type things. So there's this cool thing called Gore-Tex. Takes the cake as far as cool polymer science goes. Pretty much, yeah. I think it's awesome. So um, Gore-Tex, yeah. So a lot of hiking companies put this in their products. So bean boots. Okay. You can get them with Gore-Tex lining. Um, you can get rain jackets that are made out of Gore-Tex. You can get all sorts of stuff, and it'll have this little sticker. That says yeah, but why do we care? It. And it's awesome. And it's awesome because you can literally have a raincoat that is breathable. So, like, you're wearing a raincoat and you get, like, real sweaty. Yeah, oh, my God, it's, it's so annoying. Awful. I think I lost my raincoat, but it was awful and I had it. Yeah, I wasn't, like, upset when I lost my raincoat. <laughs> did you lose your raincoat, too? How did we? I don't know. We lost because it Because you don't miss time, it. Right? That's yeah, why, because so. they're terrible. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing about Gore-Tex is it's completely breathable, so your sweat can evaporate without letting water in. Oh, that's amazing. Wait, that how does that work? too good, good to be Good question, true. Dave. <laughs> so the way that it works is that they're able to really, really, really precisely control the pore size of these fibers. So you have all of these different fibers and they're polyamides, um, which doesn't really matter, but it's pretty much just a polymer, very specific type of polymer. And they're able to get a weave of this polymer that of all of these different polymer strands that the pore size is such that you can have water molecules evaporate, but you can't have water as its liquid form come through the other way. Oh, And so, so this is more about the property of water than it is about the property of the material. And it's just taking advantage of the fact that water has cohesion. So water likes itself. You get water droplets. If you pour, uh, if you like pipe out a little bit of water on the counter, it forms a nice little bead. Or if you fill a glass of water too much, it has a bubble over the top. It looks yes. like it should be spilling exactly. out. Exactly. So that's cohesion. And Gore-Tex takes advantage of the fact that it you, it's going to have cohesion, so it won't be able to, molecule by molecule, come Slipping. through the material and sneak in. But be, in its um, gaseous form, so water as vapor. water vapor... Sweat. Well, when your sweat evaporates. Yeah. Your actual sweat is water. So as water vapor, it's able to dissipate through because they're just single molecules. That is genius. That's amazing. And it's used in so many things because who doesn't want that? Yeah, right? That seems like the best <laughs> possible thing. That's amazing. Wait, what? This is so cool. I'll be honest, I was a little concerned about this episode. I was a little bit like, I don't know that this is going to be that interesting. Scrub. But so far, this has been really fucking cool. because we only talk about the cool stuff. We skip something that's super important and is, like, not that cool. Which, we, if we have time at the end, I will briefly touch on. That's not that important. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear it. Oh, really, it is pretty important. No one cares. Um, <laughs> so, another neat styrofoam that's, like, pretty ubiquitous. Styrofoam. Another styrofoam? Yeah. Which is styrofoam. also the root of all evil. 
Yes, so yeah, it's what? like super not biodegradable and stuff, and you basically it's actually pretty can't really recycle it. You can't really break it down it's, very easily. It's kind oh, of it's mess. horrible. It's pretty it doesn't awesome. taste it's, very good either. No, but no, it's it doesn't. super super useful for packaging. Yes. So first of all, like the best insulator you could possibly ever have is a vacuum, just like empty space, right? Because nothing can float through that. Oh, I mean, things can float. Assuming nothing flows through that, assuming. You know, you can't really, it's hard to transfer. And a lot of coffee mugs use this. Travel yeah. coffee mugs. You'll have like a wall, a vacuum, and then another wall. So anything that's like vacuum. Insulated. Wall, vacuum insulated. That's, that's what amazing. that is. Okay. So, but that's like kind of complicated engineering. It's not cheap, right? Yeah. Um, so the next best thing, you know, so you can't just hold a vacuum. That doesn't make any sense. So they put walls around it, right? The next best thing is an insulator, assuming like the air isn't flowing, is like a wall of air, right? Um, air is terrible at transferring heat. Um, but you can't really hold air as a cup. That doesn't make any sense. But if you get something that's like really, really porous, like it has a lot of holes that have air in it, styrofoam. So you can fill that space with something that's mostly air. Yep. And so basically you have something that's really but light. You shape. You're trapping a lot of air in a lot of different pockets. Cool. And basically what they do, they just take this polymer. It's polystyrene. Um, you get these pellets of it, and then you heat and inflate the pellets with air. Then pack them together, and then you can just shape them. Into Which stuff. is why if you try to cut styrofoam for, like, I don't know, like, middle school project, you're going to get all these little beads that fly everywhere. Oh, God, it's so annoying. It's all a bunch of beads packed of together all is all it is. Oh, my God. Styrofoam is horrendous. So, But it's, like, a super cheap way to keep your drinks warm and anything else. A and lot it's of, also, like, like, squishy. A lot of um, medications are shipped in styrofoam containers because it's cheap. Okay. Yep. So styrofoam, so this is a polymer that's shaped into a bead, and then these beads are sort of all packed together into these well, weird shapes that yeah. they need to be shaped right. into. Right, that's going back to you synthesize the polymer, mm. but then you form it into, into beads bead. after you've already made the and then polymer. You modify Two completely the different steps. Gotcha. By heating them up and letting air flow into them, which like puffs them up to like 40 times their size, and because they start out like real freaking tiny. And you squish them together because they're all squishy. And then you have styrofoam. I learned that they're insulators in physics, nice. like electrical insulators. Oh, really yeah. really cool. Yeah. They still adhere to things with a charge, though. Yeah. Because electricity is nuts. Polymers are good for that, really too. Weird. I mean, like wire general, coatings. Yeah. Polymers. Like relatively sense. inert. Yep. Inert? The balls are inert. What does that mean? It doesn't, it doesn't react much. Okay. That's a, I'm not even Dragon that's some Ball Z, Z uh, yeah. Piccolo. That's going to be, if any uh, one of our listeners like gets that, I'll be thoroughly yeah, impressed. Yeah, that would be, yeah. Impressed? <laughs> yeah. Like, if my dad gets a Dragon Ball Z reference, I'll be like, <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah. Also, I don't believe you. <laughs> that what? That I don't believe my dad oh. gets a Dragon Ball yeah. Z reference. So, <clears throat> um, in terms of like, Polymers seem like the greatest thing since sliced metal. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, they're, like, super cheap, super light. But, you know, like, truly high-temperature environments, metals and ceramics take the cake. Really heavy structural duties, metals are there. Um, and then, like, in terms of, like, reuse and recycling, metals and other materials are way better. So polymers, like, they don't, you don't really recycle polymers. Why not? Why you, can't you just you, melt it back down into the vat of stuff? So, so the thing is, you can only ever get it back down to that melted phase, if that. You're never going to break it down into its individual chemical components. So there's, there's a number of problems with just melting down polymers. Um, one is that some polymers are called thermosets, which means they just totally 
disintegrate before they melt. So something like a rubber band that won't really melt, it'll just like fall apart into powder, which is just like, ah, and like burn and give off awful, terrible. Oh my god, I've put a, I've thrown rubber yeah. bands in fires before. Why? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I what what kind of so fun something do you is have? super uh, <laughs> mostly fire based. <laughs> so something's super duper crosslinked, right? It can't. It's all stuck together, and you try to melt. It can't flow. It can't break apart. It can't become a liquid, and so it just keeps heating up until everything just breaks. And it just that is ruined. so weird. So when this happens, it burns. It doesn't melt. So you get these like noxious gases, yeah. and you get this freaking black powder you can't do anything with, really, right? Um, so there's pollution hazardous fumes, um, and also even if you do get like a thermoplastic, which when you heat that up, it melts and flows, and you can reform it. If you don't have perfectly pure, um, of exactly one kind of polymer, polymers don't like to mix it with each other. So they'll like separate into different sections of the liquid, and you try to make it into something, and now you have this. Uh, this like potentially like water bottle that has like different properties across its surface based on which polymers are where and they like have you know they can break apart where they're connected it's just kind of like a mismatched mess of polymers that don't like Frankenstein's monster of uh, it's terrible Um, like for example if you um, if you get like a tiny amount of PVC like PVC pipes right mixed in with PET um, which is a common thing in water bottles, or what's PET commonly used for? A lot of things. A ton of things. It's like one of the most common polymers. Um, um, it will basically totally degrade the PET because of the hydrochloric gas that comes from the degradation of PVC, because PVC is polyvinyl chloride, uh-huh. so you get hydrogen chlorine. Um, and so basically, like, hy- like hydrochloric gas, bad. Um, and then also you have... This your PET is now ruined. It doesn't. It's not PET anymore. It's just a total mess of crap. Wow. And then if you have a little bit of PET in a PVC system, it forms these solid lumps of PET, which just like just ruin the stream of PVC. You can't like process it as much. You have these chunks of other plastic in there. It's a freaking mess. And so we downcycle polymers basically. You can take these waste materials and like grind them up, and so soda bottles get ground up and turned into like carpety stuff. Or if you've ever seen those benches that are like 100% recycled material, but they look really just garbagey. Yeah. yeah, they look like they're made out of garbage. Yep. Yeah, it's they're because they are. It's because they're made out of garbage. Yep. So um, that's like when they replace the wood chips at my school's playground with those like. That's tires. Yeah. Same deal though. Yeah, they yeah. just chop up tires because you can't really recycle tires because they did such a good job cross-linking everything. <laughs> it's a huge problem. And then so, so now, what, what's the next step? Down the after the that? next step is biodegradable polymers. That's how we fix this. Except okay. also not really. <laughs> so the problem with biodegradation is like, but you know, if it degrades really fast, it's not really useful as a product. Um, and if it degrades really slowly, it pretty much is. Or, as we learned, if you put your plastic bag in the garbage, yep. you think, like, oh, well, it's biodegradable. Like, if you can put compostable things in the garbage, uh-huh. and if it gets packed into these, like, big garbage blocks like that get packed into a landfill, yep. there's not enough oxygen for anything to aerobically decompose. So you can throw an apple core in the garbage and be like, oh, like, it's going back to the earth, whatever. No, because there's not enough oxygen for it actually to keep It's going to be surrounded by a bunch of other bullshit. So I realized today it's actually kind of better for me to throw my apple core just into the ground I think some people than would, into the garbage. But that can become an invasive species of apple plant then. I was oh, talking. Oh, they get a honey crisp. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> well, 
But you're yeah, not no, supposed to just like point. when you're eating an apple, you're not supposed to just like chuck. If you're hiking, you're not supposed to just chuck your seeds right, around, right? Because it might ruin the biodiversity of the where you are. But like, otherwise, you put it in a landfill and it gets stuck in a place with no oxygen and produces a bunch of methane. When so it what do we That's do? That's not ideal either. Our, we, what we do is fix our get everyone to be hyper conscious about where they put the things they throw out and individually put everything where it needs so to compost. go. So compost. So no, there's no. We have to change human nature. Just get robots to constantly sort everything. Oh, that's the solution. <laughs> okay, polymer robots. Polymer <laughs> robots made what if they out try of old to recycle tires. Themselves? Oh no! We'll have to program them. I think we've got better. a movie on our hands, guys. <laughs> Robots, but no, they're recycling. That's terrible. <laughs> no, we tried to get them to fix our recycling problems, but they just recycled ourselves. Now we just have more recycling. Okay, so what about when? So when yeah, so polymers are not polymers. just by themselves. Yeah. What else are they good for? Well, one thing they're good for is lotiony stuff. Lotion and other related consumer products. Okay. Transition. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy bias over on this side. All right. So, this is Alyssa's area of expertise. Mild expertise. Mild seven expertise. seven months worth. Of it. How, however much of an expert you can get yeah. in seven months. So let's let's probably let's, pretty, pretty expert. She, she knows, like she knows a lot of stuff. Like a She's lot. very excited about it. It's very cool. So. Do the thing with the mouth words. Uh, yeah, so my credentials? No, just okay. talk about Please lotion. read your <laughs> resume right now. All right, from the top. Okay, yeah, so I, well, well why, why should you trust me? I made sunscreen for a while. Um, that's awesome, actually. That's, yeah. That's really I know someone dope. who makes sunscreen. She just mixes yeah, a bunch me. of shit together oh. on her Instagram from natural products, and then it probably doesn't work. Oh, we got an eye twitch going on. We'll talk about that. It'll be fun. So what? Please what, don't vomit what, in the recording studio. What works studio. as a sunscreen? Mud. Mud's a great sunscreen. Mud is a great sunscreen. Yeah, it worked for uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger because the predator couldn't see it. Yeah, that's not. Well, that's not, well it's kind of the same thing. Because yeah. he blocked infrared instead of UV. But well, yeah, but it's the same principle Idea, that it like blocks some. Oh, uh, wait, so, so are we doing predator. sunscreen? Let's are we doing with... lotion? What do you want to know about? Let's start with lotion, man. All right, yeah, so, we'll so what, what is lotion? <laughs> like, what do you know about lotion? Um, I don't even really know about lotion. I know that it, it's some sort of goopy product that turns my lizard hands into pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so that's true. Um, so lotion is an emulsion. What in the name of a horse? What was that word? So it's an emulsion. So you can actually do this at home. You can make an emulsion at home. So everyone... Try this at home. To the kitchen. Um, if you want to make an emulsion, take vinegar or water and take oil, olive oil, canola oil, whatever. Then take some mayonnaise, or if you're a mayonnaise-free household, um, grab some egg, egg yolk, something like that. A mayonnaise-free household? Like a Miracle Whip family? Yeah. Oh no! If you're listening, stop. I don't want you to listen. Hey to now, Miracle. I, as a person, I've never enjoys tried both. I've never tried Miracle Whip. Oh, it's, I just like to make fun of it. It's like slightly tangy. I, I mail. hated their commercials. They're so condescending. They were really condescending. We're but really anyway. getting somewhere, folks. All right. So, <laughs> so take the emulsifier, which in this case is the mayonnaise or the egg yolk, and you put it in the oil. Okay. Or the water, whatever. Um, and you slowly add 
one of the other components while stirring super, super fast. Super, super fast. And then you get salad dressing. Salad dressing is an emulsion. Because usually oil and water and vinegar, pretty separate. But you can emulsificate them. Emulsify. Emulsify. <laughs> so if you try to make your salad dressing at home, it usually turns out pretty crappy because you're like, oh, like I'll just put some vinegar and oil together. That sounds really good. You gotta wholesome. shake it up every time before yeah. you use it. With and then pain. you just get these little beads yeah. of oh, oil yeah. and water, and you're like, oh man, I want this like nice, smooth salad dressing. And you're so disappointed. Um, so what's happening is you can shake your bottle of salad dressing, homemade salad dressing forever, and you'll just get smaller and smaller and smaller beads. And then as soon as you set it down, it's going to go to where it's happiest. And oil likes oil and water likes water. Basically because water bonds really strongly to itself with hydrogen bonds and excludes the oil. And the oil's just like, yeah, oil's fine, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So they'll never be together. It's just, it's tragic. <laughs> but if you add an emulsifier... It's like that friend that brings the two people that hate each other together and it grabs one end of the water and it grabs one end of the oil and it sort of just hangs out in between. That's amazing and adorable. It's like water. You gotta, you gotta, gotta, gotta branch out, man. Stop so the way this so works closely. is you get these little pockets. You get these bubbles uh-huh. or, or spheres of oil and water or water and oil. And around them, coating them like an orange peel coats an orange, you have <laughs> emulsifier. Okay. That makes it happy to be there and happy to be a sphere inside of the thing it does not like. Oh, that's cool. So what you get when you have a lotion or a salad dressing or anything like that is just super, super, super tiny spheres. Like you can look at it under a microscope and see all of the little spheres. <laughs> But I just pretended to look at a microscope. It's really <laughs> but when, dumb. But when you look at it from just far away, macroscopically, it looks opaque. Yeah, it looks like a solid, or not but solid, but it looks like opaque, cream. which is crazy because oil is clear. Yeah, and water is clear. Uh huh. Mayonnaise is not clear. But you put a tiny bit of mayonnaise. <laughs> okay. In, and then you mix it all together, and all of a sudden, the entire thing is opaque. Ask me why that is. Because why is this? <laughs> is it just covering the whole, the water and oil bubbles? So it's because water has a refractive index, which That's is specific. just... It's how much it bends light right. when light So enters everything it. bends light a little bit. Water bends it a certain amount. Oil bends it a different amount. So what happens is when light tries to go through lotion or through salad dressing or <laughs> whatever... It's constantly getting bent back and forth and back and forth and all around. All over the damn place. Until it's pretty much absorbed. Oh, And how do things have color? They... They absorb light or reflect light. So, you know, as it passes, it's like, oil, water, oil, water. And every time it hits a boundary, it probably loses a little bit of energy as exactly. well. And it scatters it's everywhere. Oil, water, so Light's just oil, in it, in the thing, water, everywhere else. And oil, then it gives yeah. up. Water. And it's like, what the shit? And you're like, well, I can't see you anymore, Mr. Photon. <laughs> or Mrs. Photon. I don't so know. that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, don't assume. So yeah, so that's, that's okay. lotion. So, so, wait, so yeah. wait, what is lotion though? So like, lotion is you have an oil and water. That's okay. literally that's it. That's it? What's usually the emulsifier in lotion? And the emulsifier. What is the emulsifier in lotion? A, it can be <laughs> so many different things. Better mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's literally anything that has a water-loving end and an oil-loving end. And okay. it hangs out in the middle. And it's a chemical name that you read on the back of the shampoo bottle. Cool. Or, lotion bottle dope yo. Um, so there is no like obvious one because usually it'll be like ingredients 
water, glycerin, and then some sort of oil, and then some long-name thing, and you're like, oh, probably the emulsifier. Okay, right. so, you know, from what you just described, it seems like maybe we could just, like, jury-rig our own kind of lotion at home. What makes, like product lotions so like how are they engineered to be better so the number one reason you should be super not into making your own lotion at home is because water is really good at growing bacteria when it's with other things okay so one of the big reasons you should buy lotion and not make it you can make your own and use it you corporate (laughs) chill you can make it and use it within like a day and like totally go for it like it's fun i've done it um but if you keep it in a jar on your kitchen or your bathroom on sink your on your kitchen <laughs> on your bathroom sink for like six months and then you start to get this like weird black stuff growing around the edge and you're like, like well it's natural it must be okay it's not okay like throw it out um but no <laughs> like, not totally, rub on your skin like 100 percent play with whatever you want but like just throw it out when you're done like don't leave a sugar scrub that's the worst sugar scrubs are the worst you have sugar bacteria love sugar oh. you put it with oil and water and then you let it sit in between uses and all it does is allow back more and more bacteria to come in. Oh, my God. And then you physically rub it into your skin. Shayna made a bunch of sugar scrubs for... I'm calling her out. I don't care. <laughs> she made a bunch of sugar scrubs. I'm totally going to warn her about this. Well, did she leave it out? And, I think and she, like, I mean, she gave them people as gifts. Well, like, I've used... I've made sugar scrubs. It's fun. Seems but, okay. like, you just make a one-time use... And then you throw it out. She did make little small yeah. canisters, so that's pretty good. So, But it's not like, oh, I'll make a huge batch and then keep no. it for five years. No. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, um, oh. normally, the reason you would buy things is because we put preservatives in them. Preservatives are not evil um, because you need a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of preservative in order to keep bacteria from growing. So any concern about preservatives is usually overridden by the fact that you have a tiny amount of it that's so low it's it's innocuous. Well, according to the principles of homeopathy as described by Thomas Mann, not Mann, I don't know what his name is. I don't remember. Who cares? The point is... And these are my own personal opinions (laughs) that anyone is allowed to disagree with. I do not represent any company. I'm right. <laughs> I feel like I have to say this. Wrong, <laughs> These are my personal views. Um, Scientifically speaking, does not endorse any of the views given by any of the presenters. <laughs> CornellRadio.com is not liable for any problems caused by making your own lotion. <laughs> or by buying lotion and eating too much of it. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, that's pretty much lotion. Oil, okay. water, emulsifier, um, good stuff. Oh, I have a question. Yeah. So back in like elementary school, there was this kid in my class who was like, oh, does anyone have any moisturizer? My hands are dry. And at this point, I had like not encountered the idea of dry skin yet somehow. Is your How, baby skin? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> this little, little tiny I mean, lubed I, up Zach all the time. Presumably my mom no. had put like lotion on me at some point and I just wasn't paying attention. Like maybe I was a baby. <laughs> Didn't I realize it was happening. Whatever. But I was like, wait, your hands are dry. Just run them under the faucet. There's water. That'll, water is moisture. Hands dry. Moisture plus dry hands equals wet hands. Fine. And they were like, you're an idiot. And I was like, I don't get it. Yeah, so this is actually a really good point and um confusing at first because if you run a humidifier in your house it keeps your skin from getting dry 
But if you run, if you take a long shower, your skin will get dry. What the? So once again, water as a liquid versus water vapor. So water vapor, your skin is like able to absorb it. It's happy. But water as a liquid, it actually strips the protective barrier on your skin. So your skin is like brick and mortar. The protective layer of what on your skin? Exactly. So brick and mortar. So you have all of these little building blocks, and then in between you have lipids. And lipids lipids are are fats. fats. We talked about those. Yeah. Um, And so if you don't have enough lipids, that's when you start to get the lizard hands you're talking about. Because all the bricks start to fall out. You're just like all the bricks are crumbling. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's how that works. Um, So if you want to moisturize your skin, you need to protect that barrier or draw water into your skin. Okay. So how so this do is... you do those things? So... What is a, does a moisturizer do both of those? One of those? Yeah, so why there are lotion... three different types of, of things that you care about when it comes to lotions. Humectants, occlusins, and emollients. Oh, boy. Ooh, I like these words. Yeah, they, nice. sound, definitely... they sound like I know what I'm talking I've about. I've heard that's humectant good, That's before. some good mouthfeel on those. Yeah, emollient. <laughs> emollient. Humectant is... is a little bit iffy, but... But it's, it's, it's kind of, like, rough and choppy. Yeah. I like it. Humectants are awesome, though. So, yeah, what's a humectant? So, like, the big rock star of all humectants is glycerin. You Glycerin. see it as the second ingredient on pretty much every like drugstore level, like price level product, and it's okay. awesome. Yeah, Big definitely fan. seen glycerin before. Big fan of glycerin. <laughs> so, <laughs> like top five molecules. Like fangirling a little bit. Um, so the way that glycerin works is it physically draws in moisture from the atmosphere. And actually, a cool experiment that a friend of mine did was he like had a, a humidity chamber. And he put glycer, a plate of glycerin in it, and then he had a humidity chamber that had no glycerin in it. And he had little humidifier readings on both of them. And you could f- see the humidity just dropping went in the one that like, had the glycerin in it. Went from being, like, foggy yeah. to, like, totally transparent. Whoa. Because all of that, that moisture got sucked into all the, the glycerin. All the fog got sucked. Oh, that's yeah. super weird. So if you use lotion, that's literally what it's doing to your skin. It's just drawing in all this moisture. So the so, glycerin sticks to your skin and then, or it gets into your skin. Top, yeah. And it's like, man. <laughs> vacuums in all this water vapor and just shoves it in your skin. And then yep. your skin gets real smooth. Oh, so yes. chapstick. That's how chapstick works. Cool. Um, now, if you are one of those fellas that uses Burt's Bees, it's a completely different mechanism. So wax really? is different. It, wax is an occlusant. So humectants pull in moisture mm-hmm. and they sit on your skin. Mm-hmm. So occlusant? Occlusant. Occlusants. Yes. So that is literally just a barrier. Like just putting up a wall saying like no water comes in or goes out. Oh. So if you use like Burt's Bees, that's beeswax, which is great. But if you have super, super, super chapped lips, sometimes putting Burt's Bees on like won't really help because it's just protecting, it's protecting you, but it's not drawing in water. That's super interesting. Wait, that makes a ton of sense. If you go out in the cold, if you're a skier, use an occlusant, use beeswax because it will literally like protect your skin from wind, cold, whatever. But if you have like super scaly chapped lips, 
like try something that's like more humectiny. Yo, this is some wow. important knowledge. This is actually really useful. Wait, I totally need to get Burt's Bees for Ithaca winners. Because I, I use chapstick so much and it always like gets dried out. It's like you're not later. sponsored by Burt's Bees. Yeah, just, buy, just buy a bunch of bees and cars with beeswax and use that. Yeah, but we don't have enough bees anyway. Buy a bunch anyway. of bees and a dude named Burt and just let nature take its course. Bees are dying at an alarming rate. Okay, this is Bring very important, but also completely irrelevant. Oh, it's so completely so irrelevant. We won't one. have any more beeswax to put in your lips, so they'll die. So we got among other horrible moisture. Yeah. We got occlusions, which make walls. And then the last one? Emollients. So they pretty much feel good. <laughs> Explain. So cool. these are lots, uh, a lot of oils um, are emollients. And it's literally just skin feel. We talk about skin feel a lot. So if you use straight up Vaseline, like, yeah, like it'll that's, work. That's pretty nice. But would you want to like put Vaseline on your hands right before an interview and like go in and shake their hand and be like, hello? Yeah. No, because that's terrible skin feel. Would that's you want to put like like a, a tight shirt on right after putting Vaseline all over your body? No, that would be disgusting. Oh, oh, oh God. Right. Oh. That, that's skin feel. <laughs> that reaction is skin feel. And so, as a formulator, I use, like, a bajillion different emollients, occlusins, humectants, and they all feel a little bit different. And so, when you make a lotion, the reason that you don't just have three ingredients, water, um, oil, and emulsifier, emulsifier and preservative, is because you want it to feel different. You want it to have certain properties that make certain people happy. Put different things on your face than you put on your arms. And butt. And butt. Um, Presumably. Thanks, so, Zach. So, yeah, everything feels a little bit different. One big thing is silicones. Silicones feel so good. Oh, boy. Makeup has so much silicone in it because it just, like, spreads really nicely. Cool. So, yeah, like, cool cool ways of tailoring skin feel. So, um, emollient, can yeah. something that is an emollient be also an occlusin or a, a humectant? Or a yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So... So an emollient is sort of a separate category of, like, makes your skin feel a certain way, whereas humectant and occlusant physically work Right, and of ways. course it's not, like, very super clear-cut categories because okay. there's a lot of, like, really fancy, neat chemicals out there. Um, but these are, like, the big three categories of, okay. like, it's based on function. Cool. So, so yeah. can, is there some kind of, like, occlusant that's more of, like, sort of a Gore-Tex, and so it all acts more like a humectant? It's, like, a really good barrier, but also... Like, let's I have no idea. In. Okay. I have no idea. That'd be pretty neat, though. That would be neat. I don't know how neat. feasible that is because you're dealing probably, with water vapor. Honestly, on both it ends probably, probably exists. Right? There are so many cool things out there. But, yeah, can you spread? But Gore-Tex literally, like, you go to CVS and they area. don't tell you like, oh, there's this cool technology behind this. They just like market it to you with like a purple This will make your skin feel nice and also probably make the water go inside. This woman has boobs and she's using it, so. <laughs> This one, obviously, this one's touching a baby's face. You connected dots. <laughs> Do you want women to stroke your face like they're doing to this baby? Then use our lotion. Do they have advertisements of like men putting on lotion? I feel like yeah. That should definitely no, they be just there. have Axe, which is women chasing men. Oh yeah, no, Axe is women like their commercials is on them. Axe is updated to commercials, which is still, I think, uh, they're better. Okay. Okay. Well, not I don't I don't remember the details, but they, they've improved. There. So, All right. So what's next? What's so our next? next is what I consider to be the Superman superhumans of lotion, which is sunscreen. Woo! What? Dun, 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 dun. I love sunscreen. You so do. that's weird. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I spent a lot of time just looking at sunscreen and making sunscreen, and like I said before, like mud. 
perfectly fine sunscreen. Excellent sunscreen. That's probably the closest thing to, like, natural sunscreen as you'll get. <laughs> because you need chemicals to have a transparent sunscreen. So if you're going to be a hippie about sunscreen, you might as well go all the way and be a dirty hippie about sunscreen. <laughs> hey um, It's okay. Yes. We're in Ithaca. We can say that, I guess. No. I don't know. Um, we can say whatever you want. We're not a corporate sponsor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so why why do we give a crap about sunscreen? Alyssa, why do we give a crap about, yeah, what you said. Wow, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so, skin cancer is a big deal. Like, leading, I don't know if it's a leading cause of death, but it's... It's, it's a, up there. It's, it's definitely up there. Up there. It's Skin bad. is your lar- largest organ. You should take care of it. Also, like, people look old because they're wrinkly. That's, like, yeah. the number one reason people look old. Have you guys seen that? There's some, a truck driver, no, oh. numerous truck drivers. Man, I was saving this anecdote for later, Zach. Shit. Man. Okay, well we can we can bring this up now. All right. So these guys are sitting in their truck, presumably with the window up. Yes. And they're just driving along, and they drive the same routes pretty much. The sun's always hitting them on the left side of the face. The right side of the face is like in the car. The left side of the face is exposed to this window, right? And the left half of their face is old as crap. It's wrinkly and gross and like the worst. And the right side just looks like a person's face that's like a bit a few like 10, 20 years younger. What? Is that the sun? Yeah. It's Holy the sun. Crap. So you think what? like, oh, I'm in the car. Oh, I'm in the office. I am protected. You are never safe. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, that's not I've true. I've never been you're, so you're, scared you're, of you're the sun. You're safe at night. You're safe in the dark. In but the like, sunlight, no one can hear you scream. No one people, can hear you. Everyone can see your skin wrinkle. <laughs> so, what, so the reason that that happened is because UVA light can penetrate glass. Ultraviolet. So, yeah, ultraviolet light is basically you go from... Red and all is in the visible spectrum to purple, which we'll listen to our episode which about light, higher energy. Except don't, because it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> and then and then we go into UV, so ultraviolet. So it's extremely purple, except we can't actually see it. Really, it's extremely so purple. But it's higher, That's a way better name. It's higher energy and basically pretty destructive to cells in general. UVA is the UV light that's closer in energy to visible light, so it's lower energy but still bad. And UVB is the much higher energy. And then it goes UVC and then And a fun way to remember which one does what, which is just, they're arbitrarily named, but this is handy, is UVA uh, aging, A, aging, UVB, burning, B, burning. So UVA can pass through windows. UVB really can't, like, or hardly at all. And, which makes sense, because it's closer to light, light can pass through windows. Logic. Um, And it also causes aging. So even though not much UVB is getting through, you're not going to get, get a tan, you're not going to get a sunburn, you can still have light come in that's going to cause aging, that's going to um, break down your cells. I don't want this to happen. How do I stop this? Sunscreen! Woo! So there are two different types of sunscreen. One is mud. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, but people actually do have like really strong preferences of organic versus inorganic. So we talked about what organic meant before. Carbon atoms. So much carbon. So anything that's carbon-based is an organic... Well, okay. Any sunscreen that is carbon-based is an organic sunscreen. Okay. Any sunscreen that isn't carbon-based is an inorganic sunscreen. That's pretty straightforward. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. So how would an inorganic sunscreen work? What would you use in place of carbon chains and things? Literally, there's just like two, two big boys. What are they? Um, zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. 
And so why are these useful? They're both light powders. Okay. Um, that get everywhere. They're like very light, fluffy powders. So they're like glitter. They're literally the glitter of the cosmetic. The glitter of the cosmetic industry, and the glitter is the herpes of the art supplies. So and herpes is bad. A name tag. (laughs) (laughs) We've gone self-referential. Oh boy. (laughs) That was referring to our sex episode. Yeah, a name tag that says herpes. (laughs) No, no, no. That was our uh, viruses. No. No, that was our vaccines. Yeah. Vaccines episode. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I heard they give you cancer. Stop. No. <laughs> you remember how angry you were when he brought up people making Don't their emotions? the same level of <laughs> So, um, right, so, so yeah. this freaking, like, zinc oxide and titanium dioxide You powder. can't just put the powder on your skin. Why not? Or because else it'll it gets, fall or off else, your skin. Wait, I was going to say, okay. or else why we get the hose again? Is that the... Or else you get the hose again. So, <laughs> Have you even seen that movie? No. God damn it, Zach. <laughs> All right, movie night. Um... <laughs> But so you take you take this powder and you dissolve it in oil, and then you make a lotion out of it. Amazing! Dude, what? we're back to lotions. I see why you talked about those. The, now. the crazy, <laughs> the crazy, crazy, crazy thing is when you just have they're they're pigments. These powders are pigments because they refract light. Reflect. Reflect, reflect and refract. Okay, so they basically prevent it from reaching your skin. Exactly. So you have these pigments and you put them in oil and you mix them together and you get paint. Uh-huh. Because that's what paint is. So you're saying that we're when we're putting on sunscreen, we're just painting our bodies? No, because there's more. There's because more? Because then you put water in and make an emulsion, and then it's not paint anymore. Blah. What? What's the difference between So paint? the oil component mm-hmm. of the emulsion is paint. Dude. Yeah. So it's just watery paint? We're just rubbing watery paint on the Well, skin. you're rubbing emulsified paint. That is so weird. So it's still paint, kind of. Well, is it still oil? Are you still rubbing oil on your skin? I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Good Weird. answer. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how uh, inorganics work. And what's really cool about inorganics is you can literally just use, like, a little bit of zinc oxide, or a lot of zinc oxide, and a lot of <laughs> titanium dioxide, and put them together, and it just covers UVA, UVB. You're good. Like, yeah, Alyssa full was, spectrum. was kind enough to put the absorption spectra of the two uh, materials on this chart here. I know you love spectra. And titanium, <laughs> titanium dioxide is just sucking up in all the all the UVB energy. Sweet. And some of the higher energy UVA and the zinc oxide is getting pretty much all the lower energy stuff. It's great. They like complement each other very nicely. And cool. you can yeah, you can literally just use zinc oxide and yeah, zinc oxide it takes will, covers it will just much. cover everything. Which cool. You shouldn't take for granted because when we get to organics, that's not true. Um, so wait, I have a question though. You know, you're putting this stuff on your skin. How long? Is it going to stay in your skin? Because you just have like a suspension of an emulsion of uh, just these good word Good, good catch. Um, um, yeah. So all sunscreen breaks down. Okay. Um, and we'll get to SPF and what that means in like three minutes. Um, but what they are doing is they're reflecting and scattering the UV rays. So the thing with orga- inorganics is it's like putting up a wall. It's just a wall of defense, and it sits on top of your skin. So a lot of, like, sensitive skin formulas, like, you, you'll you see sensitive skin yeah. um, sunscreen, and you think, like, oh, my God, like, does that mean that all the other stuff is, like, terrible and, like, going to make me break <laughs> out? No. Um, it just means that it sits on top of your skin. So if you're the kind of person that has, like, allergic or whatever reactions to organic sunscreens, like, this won't hurt you because it just sits happily on top. 
Whereas so is, the organic sunscreens actually interact with your skin a little bit more oh, and can get absorbed by it, things like that. So we'll get to those in one second. So you're basically saying that the zinc and titanium dioxide just sit in this emulsion on your skin and then the, they just, like sunlight hitting them doesn't break them down really, right? Um, so time? that's something that I'm like still, it, it's, I don't know if breaking down is the correct terminology. Mm. This is where it gets a little bit fuzzy, um, but they don't last forever. Okay, that's but, what you need to know. You, so they, are you primarily concerned with it rubbing off or with the sunlight ruining the sink both, containing the dioxide? Both. Okay, so so that's, the, that's the big thing. Well, let's just skip to SPF right now okay. because that's what we're talking about. Ba-boom. Um, so SPF, sun protection factor. Theoretically, an SPF 15 is supposed to be like 15 times as long in the sun. 30 is 30 times as long in the sun. But that doesn't really mean that an SPF 100 means that you're like invincible for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, so, Put on once. Right. So... What it means, and what's really cool about SPF is that it's actually logarithmic. So if you know what a logarithmic graph oh. looks like, it like goes up and then flattens out pretty much. And I attached a graph. You did. Ooh. You bet I did. Oh, she did. <laughs> Basically, you get diminishing returns with higher SPF. Once you have hit about like 15. Wait, does somebody have a business minor? <laughs> I do. Hire me. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> All you, we actually, you actually should get companies to listen to the show. I bet Maybe. it would be like... So, yeah, once you get to, like, 10 or 15 SPF, you're already at 90% UV protection. You jump up to 30, you're at, like, 90. So you're, like, absorbing slash reflecting, scattering, like, enough to that you're not, that your skin isn't getting hit by UV light. That's super interesting. So if you get, like, if something's, like, 500 SPF, you're like, okay, well, that's stupid. So that's it's still not 100% but, and it's but marginally This is where it gets that. very, very weird because... It also has to do with how quickly it's broken down. So time is a factor. It's not like you put this stuff on and it's like, well, it um, it protects you from this percent of light forever, <laughs> which would be awesome, but that's a shirt. Um, so... <laughs> 100% SPF sunscreen is Shirts just will protect clothing. you until the heat death of the universe. <laughs> so... So that's that's kind of how that works. Um, but what's crazy is that at over time, it's getting pummeled by light. So this is like you have like, a brick wall up, or I shouldn't use brick wall because that's my analogy for skin. But you have like these like <laughs> rows of soldiers, you have this literally brick like wall. <laughs> rows of soldiers, and they get knocked down. Like they don't last forever because it can only take so much energy in the form of light pummeling or it. Bullets before... in the case of soldiers. Yes. So light <laughs> is bullets. Um, BBs, they sort of a morbid know. example, yeah. but all right. So it gets broken down, and that's where this this SPF comes from, and this is where um, the amount of time really comes in. Mm. So the SPF doesn't tell you everything, but okay. it does help out that, yes, a higher SPF will protect you for longer, as long as you don't swim, sweat, rub it off, and as long as you put enough on. No gotcha. one ever puts enough on. You need to have an entire shot glass, a little more than a shot glass, for your entire body every two hours. And if you get wet or if you sweat a lot, you have to do it all over again. <laughs> Even the sweat-resistant stuff? Sweat-resistant up to 80 minutes. Oh, okay. Which is pretty much all they're allowed to say by so the way. So an hour So change. An hour and change. Um, so that's why you pretty much have to like reapply, reapply, reapply. Um, it's expensive, so people don't, and then, yeah. So that's where getting a higher SPF, it gives you more wiggle room to be okay careless. 
Um, but for, like, everyday use, like, you should wear sunscreen on your face every day. Um, like, SPF 15, 30, it's fine because you're not, like, swimming all the time. Thanks. So. Um, Except in Ithaca. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's, like, the general gist of it. Um, SPF's much more, like, guidelines than, like, hard and fast rules. Sort of like the, the, the pirate code. Exactly. It's just, SPF is just pirate code. <laughs> it's sun pirate factor. <laughs> yes. Wait, that's so much better. Dude. Um, All so, right. yeah, so not just inorganics exist. Organics also exist. But if inorganics cover everything, like, wouldn't we just want that? Yeah, why even use organics, bro? Because organics are, or inorganics are kind of gross. Oh? You know, like, the stereotypical, like, sunscreen on the lifeguard? With the white note? Yeah, that's, that's zinc. zinc oxide, yeah. That's zinc oxide. So they're super whitening. And a big thing that companies are trying to come up with now is, like, how do you keep it from being whitening? And the answer is nanoparticles. Oh. Which people are frightened of. I mean, what, so there's why? a big marketing thing where, like, oh my god, like we can't say like like nanoparticles going on your skin because people think that like I don't know they might be like little robots that take over your body. Oh. And you know what's really weird? Nanobots. I don't know. Nanoparticles. Nanoparticles freak people out, but microbeads is a selling point. So it Not entirely has to do with scale. Are, yes. are being found in the gills Once we realized yeah, it was disastrous for the environment, then we banned them. But no one cared about it in terms of health. Yeah. So because nobody was like, ooh, microbeads. Your... I wonder because you think... they don't penetrate your skin barrier. So it's literally people mm. were worried about size. It's They're... scale. People are worried about nanoparticles entering their bloodstream, which really isn't a concern because like your skin's really good at keeping things out of your bloodstream that's yeah. like kind of its job do we have um, so once say... again like personal personal opinion here says i'm not too worried about nanoparticles inc um studies are in progress some like it's still controversial to see if it goes through your skin into your blood right um so yeah that's a that's and a gray area if it goes area. into your blood is it necessarily bad yeah right. it's like a pretty question, like normal thing to have in your body yeah um yeah, so it's extremely normal actually we need so it. it's it's still up in the air um my personal side is like ah, i love nanoparticles i'm an engineer pretty freaking cool but um yeah the 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 fear is is there and i understand why that might be scary um, so what do we have other than inorganics? We have organics, carbon backbones. Yay. Don't, don't, so don't. there's a ton of these. It's not like how there's like zinc and titanium. That's it. There are so many. And the reason there are so many is because all of them have like their own little fingerprints of mm. what energy they absorb. Oh, oh, so they don't just cover. So if you got, you know, you got zinc oxide, it pretty much covers the whole UV right, range. Right. Like you're, you're good. So if you got an, an organic, it covers some sliver of that. Right. And you need a bunch of them to cover the whole exactly. range. Exactly. Okay. But they feel so, okay, not so nice. They feel better. Better skin feel. Also, you can put them in aerosols. Oh, you can't put zinc. shanky dank. That makes so much sense. So, like, when you're using a spray sunscreen, that's pretty much gu- that's guaranteed to be an organic yep. sunscreen. You'll, you'll see, like, octocrylene, avobenzone, homosalate, ox benzone all those ones well now i'm terrified <laughs> oh yeah i don't know anything words. about how chemicals <laughs> those names are scary but they're to me. all oil soluble An ignorant consumer they're all oil soluble so yeah these go in the oil phase just like the inorganics went in uh-huh. the oil phase of your emulsion lotion but instead of being a dispersion where like literally the particles just get really small and they like float around these are like completely solubilizing like becoming one with the oil so you can just spray it out of the sprayer right. 
wow, that's so okay. Funny. Otherwise, is... you'd be getting like shot at with zinc particles, just like don't really. Well, stay it would clog. In solution. It oh. would clog up the sprayer. Gross. Oh my god, this is so cool, dude! I literally did never thought about <laughs> any of like this. That, could that be engineered to be fixed though? Or so nanoparticles. Really... Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. There you go, nanoparticles. I was, the, I was thinking the sprayer hole. Yeah. Maybe that. So... Yeah, make the sprayer hole out of nanoparticles. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So these really. <laughs> These really do act like a sacrificial layer. Like, they interact with your skin barrier a little okay. bit, and they also, like, they're taking the hit for you. Like, they're absorbing this energy and bouncing that energy around their bonds until, and they keep bouncing it around until they break down. Dude. So, photostability is, like, the key word here, which is how long your sunscreen lasts before the sun just breaks it down. Like, uh-huh. not your sweat, not water not you're rubbing itself. it off like the sun breaks it down so photostability is something that you don't really read on packaging um certain companies have labels that mean they meet a higher standard than the fda um i won't i won't do a shout out but um <laughs> yeah it's, it's a thing that exists but there is no like fda guideline okay Weird. um yeah, they're they're working. They're working. They're getting better. That's good. Um, <laughs> so classic FDA behind the ball. On the, is that an expression? No, dropping no. the ball behind the curve. Behind the ball. Getting always oh, no. behind the ball. Um, <laughs> so Just start so yeah, that. these guys all have different absorption peaks. So usually you'll read like the ingredient list and it'll have like active ingredients. It'll be like six. Yeah, I've, that's yeah, not scary. I've read them for fun. That's not bad. It's just they all have a different job, and they're each good at their job, except avobenzone. Avobenzone is bad at its job, and everybody <laughs> uses it. Why? Because it's really good at absorbing UVA. Okay. But it can't do it for very long. Oh, so it just is like, oh, oh the sun, I can stop you really, oh, I'm dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's, it's like, like a, great. One, one hit, and it's down. Yeah. <laughs> so, one hit wonder. But what's cool is it has friends. So it absorbs UVA, great. But it's, what's really, really cool is that if you add certain UVB absorbers, so completely different part of the spectrum, they actually help out the UVA absorber, avobenzone. Oh. So now it's like, literally what it does is it's like, if it's throw, you're getting thrown dodgeballs at you, uh-huh. you get to pass them off to your friend. Oh, shit. And then your friend oh, passes God. them back to you, and then you throw them back. So you don't have to deal with all of them at once. Oh my god, that's kind amazing. Of, so, it's, so it just stabilizes. If there are any like chemist people out there, it's literally like resonance. And that resonance, it gets like an extra triplicate state and it helps it out. But oh boy. literally it takes the electron or photon, bounces it around, and then shoots it back. We talked and about having, resonance. Yeah. yeah. In our music yeah. episode a, two, a few weeks ago. Well, that's different. And <laughs> Is so it? Well, it's called quenching. And you can that's see this principle name. at a party. If you are okay with violating bartending rules. <laughs> so if you have a gin and tonic and you are under a blacklight, like parties, you know, kids go to, um, <laughs> it'll glow because the quinine in the tonic water has, it, it will it will glow under UV light sure. because of mm-hmm. resonance. But what you can do is you can put some salt in your gin and tonic, regular old which everyone salt. will hate, yeah. um, but it will stop glowing. What? And that's because it's quenching. So that's oh. what these these pals do for avobenzone. Um, they quench, which means that you can use avobenzone to absorb UVA light. Dude, that's pretty dang. That's crazy. That's a neat dang. trick. 
That is so really useful. Benzone is useful. I'm great at parties. As long as you have other <laughs> compounds to assist it. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then it works great. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much how organics work. Dope. Um, they all feel gross. Yeah. Which is why oh. the sunscreen always feels icky. And one of the like <laughs> big challenges, like as a as my job as a formulator, was to make them feel less icky. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, like like as of raw materials, like if you just have like sunscreen by itself, like it's either a powder or like a very thick honey like substance. Yeah, neither of those are ideal. Yeah. I wouldn't want to rub either of those on my skin. So yeah, so appreciate the the sunscreen. Although and the how, smell like, of sunscreen is amazing. You like that? Yeah, really? I really do. Oh, I it's because it. I associated okay. with, with like vacation. I'm having summer fun also, in the I keep, ocean. I keep saying vacation, vacation. Because <laughs> you're vacation. thinking vocation. I'm not. Yes, you are. No, you're trying to get a job subconsciously. subconsciously. Yeah, I don't like that word vocation. So. Like, Job. Come on. So I guess coming to our, our sort Are you trying of, to keep us on track? Yeah, I'm trying to keep us on track. <laughs> um, yeah, so sunscreen like generally works pretty well. Like if you get burnt, it's because you like didn't put it on enough, or you didn't like put it on frequently enough, or you didn't put the SPF on that you should have, or you went swimming and then like towed off and then just sat on the bench and fried like a lobster. Or you forgot to check the expiration date. Also that. <laughs> but sometimes it's not your fault. <gasps> Are we, we going to, is going to be a controversy? It's going to be a controversy. Yes! We love controversy. <laughs> Let's do this. What's so, the story? So, last summer? Yeah. Last summer, um, there were a bunch of things on Twitter that came out of people posting pictures of their kids. And their kids had horrible sunburns. That's not ideal. And they were like, what's going on? Like, we put sunscreen on them. We were out for like an hour like this why is this happening and all of them were using one product which is the honest company spf 30 chemical free sunscreen how, how so, is something chemical free also a point of rage <laughs> understood um uh, <laughs> but you're allowed to call it chemical? it chemical sunscreen free if it has inorganics because they're mineral sunscreens. They're not chemically, like, synthetic chemicals. Like, they're not synthetic chemicals. Here, I'll, let, I'll let you guys get this out of your Okay, system. so that... What the fuck? Yeah. So, so what were they putting in it? Zinc oxide. Okay. So but doesn't that work? Zinc oxide does work. Cool. So, so it's fine. Everything's fine. So first summer, they come out. It has... 20% zinc oxide. That's pretty much how much you need if that's all you're using. So if you mix zinc oxide and uh -huh. titanium dioxide, you can get like a pretty nice sunscreen that works pretty well, but like at lower levels of each. Right. But a lot of people are also afraid of titanium dioxide because the word titanium is. Are you it. freaking kidding? Okay. I'm not, I'm not, that's I'm not, not even kidding. That's like uh, recent, there was a quick controversy about Parmesan cheese having wood pulp in it. No, it has cellulose, <laughs> yeah. which can come from wood pulp. But that, it's not, you're not literally eating wood pulp. I think the concern was that I, that you're paying for not no, cheese. That, that was but, the concern, but also people were like, wood pulp? Wood yeah. pulp? Are you freaking kidding me? No, it's, I mean, yes, it's bad. This is stupid. <laughs> but it's not wood pulp. <laughs> oh, it's overpriced. Not like they just ground up wood and put in your cheese. <laughs> not what happened. Um, yeah, so what they did, 20%, that's a lot of zinc oxide. Like, okay. a ton. 
And so people were using it. And I have here a quote that someone said it smelled like a mix of rancid oils and dirt. <laughs> so it really wasn't a hit. Um, Jessica Alba, co-founder of the Oz Company, was, like, not super pumped. Um, not sure why people trust Jessica Alba over, like, Scientist. you know, scientists. But uh, um, obviously, well, she has beautiful skin, so obviously she knows how to take care of skin. Um, also, yeah, she also... was the invisible woman, so clearly <laughs> she's the best at sunscreen. That is a better answer. Touche, touche. <laughs> um, yeah, so she starts the Honest Company based on like transparency, oh, puns, um, <laughs> and natural ingredients, things like that. Like very good intentions. I'll give them that. Um, they the road to hell is paved <laughs> with good intentions. Um, but they use they they don't make their own things in house. So of course there can be miscommunications, things like that. Um, and so they get all this feedback. People are like, "Wow, this is really gross." It's like super pasty, like rubbing toothpaste on your skin. Yeah. It's like twenty percent zinc oxide. Ugh. That's so so Brutal. so much. And so it's very opaque. People don't really like like using it. And like the number one way to like get people to use sunscreen is to make it feel nice um like like will you really reapply if it's like putting toothpaste on no um what a hassle (laughs) so yeah there were a lot of complaints about it so the next summer they come out they like revamp it they're like we're gonna make it better and it feels better nice they fixed it definitely definitely safely right 9.3 percent zinc oxide oh boy what does a normal sunscreen like? What should a normal sunscreen have? Um, I want to say around eleven for like. But then, like, you use other stuff too. Gotcha. So that's when you have so zinc and titanium. You put it at like eleven percent zinc. Ish. Then... I mean, like, these are just rough numbers. It's okay. But still, different on all. So basically, sorts of other they left out the other stuff and put the level of zinc too low, even if it were mixed with other stuff. Yes. Okay. And you might say, well, then how do they claim SPF thirty? There's not enough zinc oxide. Right, I would ask that. They use another thing that's a helper. And oh my gosh, I Seems completely okay. I forget I forget the the specific name. It's I think it's octomethyl salicylate. We'll go you with can, that. Nobody's gonna tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm not gonna um, be like, uh, you know, I think it's actually octomethyl salicyclocate. It's a side. <laughs> you just said <laughs> the same the thing. Macaroni. It's more like, like, Are you googling it yeah, for but me? Just keep talking. All right, so um. And this is used as, like, a booster. So, like, let's say you're at, like, 23 SPF and you want to clean 25. You, like, add a little bit of this stuff in and, like, it it absorbs some light. Like, it, it works. Sure. Cool. They were using, like, a ton of this stuff. Like, so, so, so much. In order to, like, they must have been in order to reach SPF 30. Um, but the problem is that it's not really, like, it's not FDA approved as a standalone. But it's also a chemical sun filter. But they didn't have to claim it as a chemical sun filter. Why? Because it's not FDA approved. Oh my God. Holy shit. That's so that's that's my interpretation of what, what went on. This is not from an article or anything. This is the Alyssa Trevitz reading read between stuff. the lines sort of a thing. But that's the general gist of what I'm getting here. Once again, don't hold me to anything I say. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the gist. Like they, like they must've had a lot of this in because there were no other chemical sun filters. You can't get 30, 30 SPF with 9.3% zinc oxide. And then marketed it as non-chemical. Right. Um, which is like <sighs> legal, legally true, legally true. Um, but, but they're also called the honest that... company. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. So yeah, so this is a problem. Um, it's, so it's passing, like when they test SPF, they don't test it on humans. They test it on PMMA plates, which are just 
polymer plates um, that that measure how much light is absorbed, things like that of the spectrum. So it passes on that. Everything's good. Another thing that that is not so great is that one of the so on the back it says shake well, apply liberally and evenly. Reapply after 80 minutes swimming sweating. Okay, but the shake well part. This stuff comes in a tube, like a toothpaste. It looks like a toothpaste you tube. Can't do you shake, shake Do you shake your toothpaste? Is that uh, an intuitive yes, but it doesn't actually do, do anything. Always <laughs> oh, shake your toothpaste. Um, so people weren't shaking it. They were like, it's sunscreen. Like, when have I ever shaken sunscreen? doesn't really make sense. So everything's separating. Oh. Everything's separating out. Oh, God. So your zinc isn't necessarily homogeneously distributed through your sunscreen. It's kind of a crapshoot every time. So then people get burnt because you're not even getting necessarily that 9.3% every time. Maybe you're not getting the other booster every time. Um, So when it says shake well on a container, like shake it well, like very well. So this was this was an evil. It was oversight and irresponsibility. Right. So it's basically a company trying to market itself as chemical free using shoddy science and poorly reasoned and, and like not enough market research apparently and i think yeah i think i think a lot of it is good intentions but the science just isn't there yet like yeah. we we don't have the capability to make sunscreen that feels nice that works well and is quote unquote chemical free that's just and what so the when you try to rush wants you to think when you try to rush the science like i just don't i don't think you're gonna be happy also in my opinion i don't think chemical free is a noble intention by any mean, means there are a lot that just of really really cool effective safe chemicals out there like that water people, that water even, is a chemical even very cool synthetic chemicals that people d- dedicate their entire lives to developing just to have it dismissed as a chemical gore-tex sad yeah um yeah so that's that's it's pretty much that's pretty much it. Uh, sorry to end on a depressing note, but yeah, sunscreen. Oh, positive note. Forget the exact statistic, but using SPF 15 every day for like 15 years reduces how old you look for like so many years to come, like decades to come. Yeah, but wow. the stress about having to buy more sunscreen and apply it every day and not losing it. Also feeling slimy. Feeling slimy. Then that would just make me age SPF so fast. SPF 15 yeah. is not slimy, guys. Uh, slimy. That's okay, what, that's, that's what the corporate shill would say. <laughs> <laughs> that's the fourth time I think you've called it that. Third time. I think it's. I think I said we'll it. We'll do four a tally times, later. Least, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, polymers. So and? we learned about rubber, and we learned about lotion, and we learned about gum, and we learned about sunscreen, sunscreen. and we learned about tires. You're just going to keep and listing. that was so cool. I didn't yeah. know about any of this You're welcome. stuff. welcome. But it was really cool. And sometimes polymers come into your sunscreen. Cool. Dude. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think that about wraps up scientifically speaking, unless you guys have more things to... Nah, man. That thing I was talking about... Here's one quick thing. So there's something that polymers have that are weird. It's called the glass transition temperature. So metals, right? Think about a freaking metal, a block of metal, right? You heat it up, and then it melts into this molten mass. It goes from a solid, which is one uh, state of matter, to a liquid, which is another state of matter. Polymers don't do that. They don't ever become solids, sort of. Polymers are the badass of the material science world. So glass also does this, which is where the glass transition comes from. Um, It basically starts out as, like, this liquidy stuff, and then you cool it down, but instead of at some point it suddenly, like, goes, oh, need to arrange into this solid block that has evenly distributed atoms, it just kind of, like, gets cold enough that the atoms go, eh, 
I can't really move anymore. And then it acts like a solid. And so that's what any solid polymer is. It's like real cross-linked and like it's too cold at ambient temperature for it to move around. And so it acts like a solid, but it never truly like became a solid. And so glasses and polymers tend to be, or well, if it has a glass transition, it means it's amorphous. Basically, the atoms just aren't arranged in an order. There's kind of bleh. And that's just, it's just a weird thing, right? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't go from a liquid to a solid. It goes from a liquid to like a really slow-moving liquid that moves so slowly that it's, it's, it's a solid. But now we have to, now you've just brought up, we have to address a common misconception, a, 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 a urban legend about glass. Oh, that, oh yes. This glass makes my blood boil. Is, uh, just a very, very slow-moving liquid, which you just talked about, so, yeah. which is true, but the legend goes that... It's old, not if true. You go to, um, okay, so, yeah. Let me just yeah. let me do try thing. explain do the do thing. Do so, you, take, you have an old window or something, and people tend to notice that, oh, well, the bottom of the window pane is thicker than the top. So they think that the glass of the window is just a slow-moving liquid that slowly over a long... So old windows, over a long period of time, drips down to the bottom. 100% untrue. That's not how that works. Yep. So the reason that the thicker part of the glass on the bottom is because that's more mechanically stable, and so when they fricked up their... I don't want to... When they fucked up their glass... They're bad at making glass. And it was lumpy, and so like, I should put the heavy part on the bottom because I'm not completely stupid. Also, sometimes the thicker part's on the top because they were stupid. Yeah. And, <laughs> for example, I believe... This is approximate, but you can check out... I believe it's on the Corning website. Someone broke the math down and was like, all right, how long would it take, like... Imagine you had, like, a meter-long piece of glass, right, that was, like, a centimeter thick. It would take, like, the age of the universe for the bottom to thicken by about the length of an atom. Holy God. Do you want to know what's actually, the like, the most viscous liquid? What is this? It's pitch. Oh, yeah. There's this, I, don't, I think it's a specific type of pitch, but you can watch it on a live stream. <laughs> Not saying I have. I have. I, I have. have. <laughs> um, and can we post a link to this? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Is that a thing it you can do? It drops once every how many years? years or something? So, like, if you ever Seven feel like you're drip. not productive, like you're not getting where you want to be with your life, just watch this. It's also the longest-running scientific experiment. It's yes. so relaxing. You're like, wow, it's not getting anything done either. <laughs> <laughs> and they, like, try to predict when it's next going to fall so everyone can tune in and check it out. But, yeah, so I think that pretty much covers everything that I wanted to cover. And Alyssa got to talk about the cool sunscreen work she did, which is awesome. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks so much. You have thanks definitely for impressed me. us. You will Do absolutely I get to be, be back in the future. your friend, even though I thought I already was? Um... You're you're close. Do I, I find out tomorrow? You will, Wait, we'll should call I call you? you? Okay. We'll call you. Okay. Uh, but, but, but no, call well, you know, we'll Can contact have... you in a few weeks. Um, just wait to hear from us. You won't have any of our contact information uh, because that's how jobs work. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. not personal. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been Scientifically Speaking. We will see you next week with, we don't know what. We'll find something. Yeah, good. we will find something. and It'll be great. Adios, amigos. Peace out. Bye.